Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. This is a place where we share how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello and welcome to episode 27, From Childhood Trauma to Tremendous Transformation. Today we're talking to Fatima Oliver. She has embraced self-discovery and acceptance by challenging insecurity, self-worth, anxiety, and depression from childhood trauma, heartbreak, and physical abuse. The result brought tremendous breakthroughs in her life and helped cultivate some baby steps she would like to share with others. Her new book entitled, The Prescription is in the Dirt, she shares some raw truths and, can it, be, and it can be found on Amazon.com. Today, we're going to have the pleasure to hear Fatima's amazing story and how she transformed her life by cultivating faith and going through her steps that she will share in today's episode. Now, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Love Show. And today we have Fatima, and I'm so excited to see you and speak with you today. How are you? Yes, I'm doing very good. It's a good day. Thank you so much for having me, Corinne. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So I love to start out the show talking about our what your love lesson is. And a love lesson is essentially what your story is on how you transformed your pain and your suffering into some place of positivity and love. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess I would say the bulk of it, the foundational piece of what I would take away and want to share with others is just, I found my identity, my identity throughout all the struggles and the tumultuous um, events that, that befell me as a child all the way through pretty much my adult, most of my adult life. And, and somewhere in the midst of me feeling like I was losing my mind, I actually found my identity, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, but um, basically as a child, um, I grew up um, all, with all boys. I was the only girl out of five brothers, um, a very tough as nails type of atmosphere. Um, anybody who has brothers kind of can get the gist of the rambunctiousness that happens in the home and just the stringentness, the, the stir, the, the strictness that sometimes need to come into the home just to keep them in line. And uh, my mom was a single parent, so she really had to be rather aggressive and assertive a lot of ways. Sometimes I think it was, um, you know, her brokenness coming in in, um, in through her disciplining um, ways. And um, I got treated the same way they got treated. So it was never much softness or a lot of affection in our home, although I do think that's what she intended. It's just life was tough and had being a single mom with no assistance from anyone, no, no um, father stepping up to help to alleviate some of the stress. Um, that stress really was an undercurrent for the way that she raised her children. And so um, I grew up very um, disconnected with my emotions, um, internalizing a lot. Um, not talking much, so coming off as very agreeable, even gullible. Um, but in actuality, I just was afraid to share my opinion. And so as a child, um, I, I had two step stepfathers that abused me in different ways. Um, I, um, as uh, going into adulthood, 
um, I wound up running from an abusive lifestyle into an abusive marriage. And so I stayed for nine years um, in an abusive relationship, um, coupled with um, adultery and just the uh, emotional abuse, just you name it, I've probably been through it. Um, and that includes the uh, death of a child and um, a, a death of a brother. So I've definitely gone through different things in my life, some crazy things, um, spaces in my life where I felt like God didn't love me, um, where there was just a ball of confusion. And I felt like I was in the middle, like I was in the middle of a tornado um, and just really not understanding what the heck was going on in my life. And um, I wound up being diagnosed early on in my, in my, really it was like in my early thirties um, with clinical depression. I mean, go figure with everything that I have been through, honestly, it is understandable. Um, and just, and suppressing my feelings, not knowing how to deal with the emotional aspects of what I had gone through throughout my life. Um, I wound up being diagnosed with clinical depression for about 10 years, I stayed on medicine without really dealing with the issue of why I was depressed. And not until truly I was in um, my mid forties, um, a couple years ago, actually, uh, I think around 43, 44 is when I really had what I consider a come to Jesus moment where I had to face um, I don't want to say my demons, but really just face all that stuff, face all that dirt, face all um, the things that honestly I didn't know was 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 bothering me. So I had to deal with, um, you could even say post-traumatic stress of um, the different events that had transpired in my life. And, and truly at that moment in my life, I really honestly felt like I was losing my mind. I really thought I was having a nervous breakdown. And in the process of getting the courage to go and speak with the therapist, staying on my medicine and also um, really, 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 really leaning on my faith and leaning on prayer and, 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 and meditation and devotionals and Bible studies and just like-minded people, collectively, all of those things helped me to peel back the layers on all these events that had happened in my life that I had pretty much ignored as an adult to tap into what the core issues was that I was dealing with and ultimately being able to denounce those stories over my life, the, the stories of being um, weak, of being emotionally weak because I wanted to cry at times, um, being viewed as um, too sensitive or insecure or um, unworthy or invisible. I was able to take captive those thoughts and really denounce them completely and um, take on a new story for myself that, that I have been victimized in many ways, but I'm not a victim, that I am a survivor, that I am a queen, and you have to earn that right to be called a queen. And that means standing in your truth, no matter who stands with you and who doesn't. <laughs> and, um, and I really went through that moment, these um, last um, two years is what I've been coming out of. And in the process of that, I was able to truly embrace a lot of who God says I am, not everything because I'm still working through it, but a lot of who God says I am. And in the process of that, he gave me the gift of being able to share my story um, in a book. And now I'm a new author. And all of that happened in two years where I felt like I was truly um, scared to death to go to sleep because I didn't think that when I woke up, I would recognize who I was to a place where I'm speaking to you today. 
there is no way that anybody could tell me that God isn't real. I'm going to cry. Yes. Um, <laughs> I tried to summarize it as best <laughs> as possible. There's a lot in there. <laughs> uh, I just love your faith because I feel like it's something that people don't necessarily talk about or they talk about it in a very abstract way, but it's real. It's real that, 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 um, how, how God can really, and having that faith and that love that can really pull you out from your yeah. and darkest moments. Yeah. And I don't think people utilize that energy that's available to us as much as. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's there. And it's that, that loving divine energy that can really help that can change everything. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we don't know how to tap into it. I think a lot of times we go to uh, religious settings for whichever religious, relig you know, your religious beliefs. But sometimes we go to a religious setting and everything is so philosophical, but it's not made tangible. And the people that are speaking to us seem to be so much on this platform that they're not tangible. You don't feel like they've ever been through anything. And unfortunately, that can give off the falsity that you have to be perfect and you know yourself you know what your struggles are you know what that you're not perfect but you're trying to match up to something that's unrealistic to begin with and so you always feel like a failure when my faith tells me that jesus wants us just as we are and um but that can be hard to understand when you're faced with people who appear to be perfect. And I know I struggled with that for many years, the feeling that I didn't fit in. And um, even in a church setting, because I didn't grow up in the church and I didn't know all the Christianese or the Christian talk and, and all of that. And so I really did feel a lot of times like I was, like I was so different, but that's the beauty of it too. God made us all to be different. And I had to embrace that my difference is what helps the body of Christ. And, and then started to kind of let my walls down and be okay with being different. And in that, I was able to make some wonderful um, lifelong connections with other people that were in, in, you know, in, in my same um, setting. But until I was able to, um, stop combating the fact that I felt like I didn't fit in and embrace the fact that I didn't fit in, embrace the fact that I had a story and that I was coming to God with a story. Um, until I did that, you know, I lived this falsity also, you know, the perfect outfit, the perfect hair, the perfect shoe, everything perfect. But on the inside, I, I tell people I was a poised mess. I knew how to dress it up. I knew how to dress up. My mess was so, was so sharp. My mess wore hats. <laughs> My mess was just, was just wonderful looking on the outside. But inside, I was breaking. Inside, I was dying. Every day, I was dying. There were moments when I didn't even want to get up. There were moments where I was thinking that I wanted to just drive through an intersection full speed and not stop. There were so many moments that I lived that and I still functioned. I still went to work. I still picked my kids up. I still fed them. But on the inside, I felt that so heavy. And um, I'm just so glad that my godfather always taught me that the church is a spiritual hospital. And that's one thing I could never shake. No matter what I went through in my life, no matter who acted that they were perfect, no matter what, no matter how ashamed I felt sometimes, I, I, I could never shake that the church is a spiritual hospital, which means the sick go to the hospital and that we are all struggling with something 
even if we don't like to show it, we all got stuff and that that's okay. And that God loves me anyway with my brokenness. And so um, it took some, it took some years. I didn't really get to a place where I felt freedom was breaking into in, in my life until I was in my forties. I, I, I walked a lot not knowing who I was and taking on the identity of who other people said I was. So I'm so grateful um, that I'm able to sit here today and talk to you on the other side of it and really be speaking my truth and feeling that freedom um, and just that breakthrough on the inside of me. Yeah, that's, um, it's everything, isn't it? Just Yes, it really is. It yeah. really is. You just want to, I'm shouting on the inside. I'm shouting on the inside. I'm free. <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting because I grew up Muslim. My parents are Muslim, actually. Okay. But I've never been religious. But I've always been very, very spiritual and always yes. had my own connection yes. to God and having a spiritual community and just kind yes. of creating that for myself. But yes. it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people just feel like they need to turn to a religious kind right. of setting. And you can still connect with God by yourself in your house, right, right. anywhere outside in nature. Yes, you don't yes. have to follow anyone. You can just follow your own heart and your right. own. Right, absolutely. And even though I love Christianity, I'm obsessed with Christian um, gospel music. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every morning I play gospel music as a way to like yes. keep my energy up. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I agree. Like I agree that God is in everything. And just like with your, with, with the name of your podcast, I love it. And you're talking about love. And to me, the epitome of love is God. We breathe in, we breathe out, we get up in the morning, we stretch, we breathe effortlessly. That's God, you know, and you know, with the sun, the sunrise, a flower, the birds, I mean, just miraculous things that we, we can't even figure out how it's there. All of that to me is a reflection of God. And so, um, you know, I definitely believe that it's about a relationship. It's not about a specific order. And um, and just the way that God can speak uh, speak to us is so different. And that and that we we need to allow him the freedom to speak to us in different ways. I know that when I was searching for when I really started diving in and searching for healing, this healing, I had it in my head how I wanted it to happen. I wanted to go to the church and then slap some oil on me. And, and I fall out on the floor. And then when I get back up, I'm healed. And I had been searching for that type of healing for at least 20 years. I had been searching for that specific type of healing and it never came. So then I would get frustrated because I'm like, God, I'm praying, but I'm not getting healed. And one day it just hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. Go to the hospital, go to the doctor. And, and that's when I started, my, my ideas started to cultivate and say, God's miracles are usually through the hands of mankind. So God has given these people these gifts, go use their gifts for your purpose. And that's when I started being more open to other ways of getting my healing. I, that's when I was able to be more open to getting on medicine for my clinical depression and actually taking the next step, although it took some time, taking the next step to go and speak to somebody and, and go to therapy. I wasn't open to that. I was so closed off that if it wasn't coming directly from this format, then I didn't have enough faith, which that was not true. If anything, I was being a knucklehead and just wasn't listening. <laughs> and so, and, and so I had to learn that. I think we all have to, um, 
acknowledge that at one form or another, that that's why God made man so that we can hold each other up, so that we can care for each other, so that we can be the love ex extension of him um, for each other. And, and unfortunately, I don't think we tap into that enough. I love that you said that because it's like we were all created in God's image. So that means there's God in everyone. Like yes, everyone is a representation of God. And so that miracle could come from whoever because they, yes. they are also the aspect of God. And I think for me, it's hard to think about it when somebody's causing you harm, right? When you're being abused or when you're being traumatized that the person in front of you is also yeah. the expression of God. And yeah to wrap your mind around the fact that something terrible is happening to you is yep. and that's where I feel like a lot of people lose their faith yeah well if God loves me why is this awful thing happening yeah yeah and it takes a lot of mental work to understand okay like this isn't happening to me it's happening for me and there's yeah. a why this is happening and there's options for me to learn and grow and become a deeper, more compassionate, loving human being. Absolutely. Moment, it definitely doesn't feel that way. Absolutely. And even the behavior, God doesn't direct the behavior. He made the person, but he's a, he's a, he's a gentle God. He's not going to um, bombard us with who he wants us to be or his love and what he can do for us. So our behavior, I believe our behavior is a reflection of our freedom. And so we run, we run across many people and we are all in, in God, made in a God's image. However, our behavior is a reflection of our freedom. So that means that that person who have hurt, have harmed me, it, it takes a certain space of maturity. I completely uh, agree because I definitely went through a space of anger and rage and resentment and hate towards the people that have hurt me. However, the more I matured in Christ and realized all the damage that I may have done to people and how my behavior was a reflection of my lack of freedom, then that would mean that their behavior was a reflection of their lack of freedom. And so at least in that, I can say I understand the backdrop behind their behavior. I still don't agree with it. Absolutely. I still don't think it was OK, but at least I can understand a bit of why their behavior, why they make such horrible decisions, why they act in the way that they act. I'm not their psychiatrist and I'm not trying to heal them, but at least that information helps me to release the pain, release the hate, release the rage from me and to be able to open up my heart to forgiveness. There are things that happen every day, yesterday, today, to me, where it's like I have to tap into why this person is responding in this way. And, and to, so that at least I can understand their mindset and, and speak to them on that level or, or be wise enough to not speak at all because it's going to make it worse. Um, I, I just think having the backdrop of, a, of um, somebody's um, outlook on life, at least trying to tap into that, can definitely dissolve so many misunderstandings. I really believe that. And I don't think we do, we don't put enough work in to doing that. We instantly go to somebody's trying to shade me or somebody's trying to insult me. Or I like to say we are soldiers guarding a fake castle which is us, like we're guarding ourselves, we're guarding our heart. And there's no reason to, I th and instead of putting forth the effort to understand, putting forth the effort to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. We don't do enough of that. And I think that's what gets us in horrible situations. A lot of them anyway.
I agree. It's, it's, it definitely takes a lot of maturity and you're right. It's all about the freedom of either being in fear or being in love. And yeah. that's when people, people have the choice of how they want to be in the world. And if you're choosing to be love, it takes work to constantly love yourself, love others, yeah. passionate, be understanding, be forgiving, be generous. Yeah. It's a constant choice that you make every day, all day, all the time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's a muscle that you have to grow. Yeah. And I think we do it for other people more than we do for ourselves. I know for me, it was so, it's so easy or it was, and and still I'm working through that where it was easy to show um, to the, to which I could understand the love capacity for which I had in me to show that to other people than it was for me to show it to myself. But in actuality, I really wasn't given pure love because I wasn't loving myself. It's like, wow, isn't that just crazy? That, that paradigm that you're trying to show love to somebody and you're doing it with everything in you, but you haven't tapped into your own self-love. So you're really not giving them all of you. And it's just crazy how you can be in a relationship and going through that tug of war. But in actuality, you need to stop and start trying to say what's best for me, what's best for Fatima? How can I love myself? How can I encourage myself? How can I change my story and make my story of victory and no longer of being a victim? And I think once I learned that it was necessary for me to do that is when I really started seeing some true breakthroughs in my life. And that's even in regards to relationships. And so now the things that would occur, whether it's somebody who um, hasn't walked that walk in their own life yet, and they're, they're going through their own struggles. In my interaction with them, it's different because I understand what it's like to be bound. And now I give them the freedom to choose whether they want to be bound or not. So I don't get so hung up on what they say. Even if sometimes it's hurtful, I don't get so hung up and bitter and resentful. I don't hold on to it as much because I know what it's like to be bound. And even for those who are wonderful to me, I'm able to um, exhibit that and give it back, reciprocate it. And that's because, again, I know what it's like to be bound, yet I now know what it's like to be free. And so I just think it first start with that self-love and the best that you can be. I, th I think one of your questions was, how can you be a force of goodness into the world? I really think that it begins with self-love, knowing that takes so much the muscle that you're talking about. It takes so much greater effort, but I really believe that's the first step into being the best, the, the most profound goodness that you can be in the world is, is having self-love for your, you know, of course, self-love for yourself, oxymoron, <laughs> but self-love, <laughs> repetitive. Um, first, I just think that that is one of the first steps that you have to, you have to touch on. Yeah. And especially if you want to hold space for other people, like the work that you do when you're creating a safe space, because I feel yeah. like the more you love yourself, it gives permission for others to love themselves. And then when you're in a state of love, you're more compassionate, you're more empathetic, you're yeah. more accepting. I think that's a big one for people is to feel accepted and yes. seen and to feel validated. Yes. If you're not in a state of love, most people don't feel that. And so they automatically become unconsciously defensive. Yes. So then it's, it's almost like you have to be in a state of love, giving love, and then people start to receive love. And then it becomes a, it becomes a totally different interaction. Yeah, absolutely. But you, I think every individual has to take the responsibility to say, okay, I'm going to be the one that gives love. I'm going to be the one. Yes. 
heals, I'm going to be the one that's going to work through my traumas and my pain, yeah. make different choices. Like, yes, that responsibility bit is a big aspect of it. And it's yeah. that you're doing the work and that you're helping others do the work too. Yeah, I'm certainly trying. I mean, it's, I, I just know how, pro, know how profound it was for me, for me to be in my, um, and even to this day, having that support where I'm having a bad day or I've been at my worst at times and people have listened to me. The, the concept of being in a space where you can speak everything that's on your heart, no matter what it sounds like, no matter what, how crazy it sounds, no matter how angry it sounds, you got to get it out. And to have that platform where people sit and they allow you to get it out so that you don't act on it. You can at least speak it though. Um, it is so, it's, it's magic in itself. And um, I'm so grateful to, to have a platform right now. As you know, I offer that on my website where people can come as a form of me paying it forward. People can come and schedule time with me called a safe space session. And they can come and just schedule some time. I give them 20 minutes. And in that 20 minutes, we'll talk a little bit, introduce um, each other. Um, but, but the bulk of that time is spent on them speaking, them sharing what's on their heart, the ugly, the crazy, the sad, whatever it is, even if it's funny, even if it's an accomplishment that they don't have anybody to share it with. That's what that safe space is for. And I truly am there to just listen. Um, I don't offer feedback unless it's asked for. It's totally a girlfriend type of corner. Um, and I even offer prayer if um, it, you know, it's optional if the person wants it at the end of the call, but it's not necessary. The whole point is to be that safe space for somebody um, while they're trying to figure out um, which direction they want to go, who could actually be their safe space on a permanent basis. But that's what somebody did for me. I joined a, a program called Celebrate Recovery. And it's a Christian-based um, program where it's not just about alcohol or narcotics. It's about any hangup or hurt that when you think about the incident, it gets you riled up rather uh, emotionally, then that's a hangup. And it's it sets the platform for you to be able to deal with those hangups and peel back the layers to get to the core of the issue and why you're so emotionally driven, really to just clean yourself so that God can use you more in the way that he wants to, to get to your full potential and your fullness, uh, your greatness. And so going through that program, that was one of the steps where you have a moment where you can just speak your heart, speak your truth, whether it was a celebration or whether it was a struggle type of week, you can share it. And it was just so, it was just so moving for me. It was so profound. It just helped me in, in such a healing way that I, I just, I'm so, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to give that back to somebody. Yeah, I love that. It's beautiful. So let's get in to the infinite love questions. Yes. <laughs> so the first one is, how do you use love in your work? So how I uh, use love in my work, really um, what I'm doing comes from a place of love. And so what I mean by that is to me, like I stated earlier, God is the epitome of love. And my book as um, I'm an author and conversationalist, um, but as an author, me writing my book, it really was an extension of healing for me. It was also an extension of therapy, but also um, the, the next step to that was, it was a way for me to speak for people 
um, for those people who have been through trauma, who have been through similar tumultuous situations, but maybe they haven't found their voice yet. They haven't found the courage or the, or the proper setting to share their story. For me, um, me exhibiting love in my work is sharing my story going first before them to share it and giving them the opportunity to say, me too, I went through that too. And to know that there are other people out there that it can't take away the pain that the person is feeling, but it can let them know that they're not alone and that I'm speaking for them. When I get up and when I speak on an interview such as this, um, when I speak in articles, when I have those moments to shed a light on my story, I'm taking them with me. I'm carrying them with me on, on my back. And that's because we matter. When we were a child, we mattered. When I was 11 years old and I was being molested, my voice mattered, even if people didn't listen to me. And it matters now at 46 years old and all the way in between, my voice mattered and so does theirs. And so for me, when I do this work, I'm thinking about those people. And um, that's the greatest love that I think that I can offer. Um, and also with the safe space um, sessions, um, it's just another way for me to show that um, somebody's loved and, and to do the things that I wish somebody would have did for me, that maybe it wouldn't have taken me so long if somebody would have um, extended their hand out to show me that type of love as well. What's the name of your book? My book, it's called The Prescription is in the Dirt. And so um, The Prescription is in the Dirt is basically um, the dirt part is the, if we want to say sins of the father or those taboo things that we don't necessarily discuss for fear of being shamed or feeling ashamed. Um, our mistakes that we have made that we never bounce back from because we're so embarrassed by them. Um, and all that in between, all the pain that I personally went through, a lot of it is shared in this book. And I view that as the dirt. And the reason is because just like dirt, if we're not careful, um, just like the dirt is co covers a grave, um, we can be dead on the inside and the dirt can cover us. All these stories, all these things, all these events that have happened in our life, if we don't deal with it, it can cover us and bury us and we die on the inside and walk around like a bunch of zombies. Still being functioning in life, functional in life, but not really, not emotionally connected to anything or anybody. And they were wondering why, why we don't feel loved. And a lot of times it's us um, and just our baggage, just, just shouting at people. Um, and so that's what the dirt is. But also the other part about dirt is if you get in there and you allow God to turn it and stir it and turn it over like gardening, then something beautiful can grow from it. And so um, God doesn't waste pain. I'm a believer that God doesn't waste pain. And even like you talked about, Corinne, as far as like sometimes it's hard to accept that what we're going through, it's it's for us, even those horrible things. When, when I say it's happening for us, to me, it's for a greater purpose. And so that pain may be horrible and us going through it and we may never understand to the utmost of why God allowed us to feel that tragedy, but there is an opportunity to turn it into purpose. And so that's what the book also talks about. And so it's my stories, um, but I believe it aligns up with a lot of other people's stories, but it also talks about redemption. And so right now it is on Amazon and um, available for anybody who wants to get it. That's beautiful. And it's, um, yeah, we grow from those, those pains, those moments. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
Yeah. So how do you use your work to serve humanity? Um, I think it aligns with, um, you know, what, what we were talking about earlier. I know that um, it's, it, we're in a day and age, unfortunately, where drama is celebrated. Um, but God says for us to be the pe peacemakers. And so in everything that I do, I want to bring uh, like an olive branch of peace. And um, I think it's just because of how I grew up. And the fact that I dealt with pain at such an early age, at the age of two, um, I was burned by an accident, but burned on 25% of my body. And so I know what it's like to be ridiculed. I know what it's like to feel embarrassment and to feel ashamed for what I look like and what I, and, and, and just feeling that and carrying it through my life. And, um, and so I naturally have compassion for those who may be feeling those same things. And so when I come in a setting where God has allowed me to speak my story and just to speak to people, I want to come and pray that they feel my extension of peace and um, my compassion um, for humankind, because I want my kids to be able to grow up um, giving people the benefit of the doubt. And um, I, they can't they can't do that if they're not taught that and if they don't see that. And, and so that so when um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I do, I definitely pray that that's what people are experiencing more than anything is God working through me and his love shining through me and um, his peace resonating throughout me. And what do you love most about your life? Shoes, I would say what I love most, uh, it sounds cheesy, but... Um, number one, I love my freedom that I'm now experiencing, meaning the freedom inside of me, um, not freedom to make decisions, but <laughs> just the freedom that I feel from all the brokenness that I had inside me. And maybe it's just feeling whole. Maybe that's maybe how I should say it. Just the wholeness that I feel on the inside of me that I know is internal and I know that it's permanent. And that is something that I've never experienced before. And it's just mesmerizing to me. And I know that nobody can take it away. Only thing that can happen is, is, is I give it away and that's not going to happen. And, um, and the other thing is I love my children. My children are my everything. And at one time I used to feel so, um, um, I felt like I didn't have a family or I felt like um, that they were a chore to some degree because I was at one time a single mom and, and I was doing my best to provide, but it just didn't seem like it was enough. And um, I slowly came to realize that they are my biggest fans and they are my biggest support. And they have been with me through a lot of my story. And I've, as I've matured in my faith, I've been able to share my story with them. And I'm just so grateful that, that they are proud of me and that they look at me unashamed and they look at me uh, with big eyes of appreciation um, and even though they know that mommy goes to therapy and mommy has had a, a hard life, they embrace all of me. And that is a priceless feeling. <laughs> Beautiful. Cause it definitely makes, it makes a difference. And also it kind of changes the way they think about mental health as well. Yes. Yes, for sure. I thought it was important to tell them. Um, I was nervous. Um, but I thought it was important to share that part of me with them because I want them to know that mommy is mommy. Mommy is a superwoman in their eyes, but mommy is also a, a person 
and that sometimes mommy feels certain things just like they do. And it's okay to go and talk to somebody. And so I'm so grateful that they're embracing that piece. And how do you feel you receive love? That's still the work in progress. I think I've grown a lot in receiving love. Um, I used to be so guarded and I didn't really know what love was. And to me, um, family and um, love were, um, um, were exhibited through pain. And so for me, that's what love looked like. And so if I wasn't getting um, ridiculed by loved ones or hit by loved ones, then I felt that I wasn't loved. So my whole concept of love was, was messed up. And so again, through just working through healing and over time, I've realized that um, love is um, understanding and love is patient and love is supportive. And um, love is temperamental and, um, and just so, so very patient, if I didn't say patient. <laughs> and, um, and, um, and it can be such a beautiful thing. Love is also trying, but um, it's definitely an action verb. And there's a lot of work that goes into love. And um, my husband has shown that to me in a lot of different ways. And I'm so grateful for him being in my life and being a light to that degree of showing me that there's a different way that love can look like. And, and then um, me being able to have the courage to let down my walls, to embrace it. And so now I'm in a very good space with love. Love is kind of cool. <laughs> and, um, and, and yeah, um, and I'm just constantly being shown how good love can be. Uh, when you embrace, um, when, when you're just open to it, when you're just open to God showing you it in different facets. And I really think there's different levels to love. Um, I just think we have to be open to it. Love can come from a stranger and can be kindness from a stranger, can be someone truly sticking by your side that you just met. I read of an Uber driver who um, a couple was on vacation and her water broke and, and broke early and she went um, into labor on vacation and they were stuck in the hospital and in a hotel and the Uber driver brought them food to the hospital on a regular basis. Love can be a stranger just attaching themselves to you and loving on you in such an unusual way. So love can come in so many different facets. I think we put limits on love when it's unnecessary. And so God is putting me in that space right now where he's showing me an expansion of love that goes beyond my, my small family um, and goes into the neighborhoods and the community showing me um, that God, um, that God is, is in, is in so many, and is, is in so many people and is being um, used through so many people. If I only just open and receive. Amen. So when do you feel you receive the most love? Um, ah, shoot. Um, I really think it's, it sounds cheesy, but I think when I'm praying and I feel just God with me, I think is when I receive the most love because everybody needs to be fueled. And that's when I receive my fuel to go out to the world and give it. So truly when I'm in my time, my intentional time with God, not necessarily my hurry up and do it, Jesus, because I'm going to hurt them if, I, if you don't moments, but my true intentional times where I set some time aside and um, I'm in my living room on my knees or I'm on the side of my bed and I turn on my worship music and I just spin intentional time with God. And um, in that is where I feel the most warmth, the most um, 
just connection with God. And again, I think that God is the epitome of love and, and that's just where I feel it the most. And I think that's for a purpose, it's strategic because we can't give out what we don't have inside of us. So as I spend that personal time, that dedicated time with him, he refused me. I lay down my burdens. I lay down my frustrations. I lay down my confusion. Um, I even talk about those awesome things that he allowed me to experience in that time together. And then when I get up, I just feel recharged to go out there and handle it again. <laughs> Beautiful. And the last question, where has love created a miracle in your life? Um, I would say, shoot, um, I mean, with my son, he has sickle cell and um, we didn't think that he would um, be as healthy as he is. We definitely were, were fearful. I have, um, I had an aunt who passed away from complications of sickle cell. I have a niece who has sickle cell and she usually has a, a very, very tough time with the disease. So finding out that he had sickle cell was, um, it just, it was just a gut punch to us. And um, very um, young at age, I had to have a come to Jesus moment with God and really discuss my son and bring my son before him and just offer him up like Hannah did um, in the Bible with her firstborn. She told God that if she if he gave her a child that she would give him back up to, to him, which was Samuel. And um, I had to have that moment with God to ask God that, Lord, I know that I can't con I can't control what's going to happen to him. So I put him back in your lap. But if I do this, I ask that you just take him and protect him and cover him. And God has been so gracious to us. And he rarely um, has had um, sickness. Um, he's just a, a, a ball of fire and a, a huge character. And every time he gets on my nerves, I say, thank you, Jesus, because um, it could be worse. He could not be here. And so that is my walking miracle. Um, I think along with just my story as a whole, I'm just a regular girl from Las Vegas, the hood, and um, he has take, taken my story and has made it such a huge testimony. And so many people have been blessed by a life that I thought was normal, but it was dysfunctionally normal. And God has taken it and just used it in such miraculous ways. And so I'm, I'm constantly in awe about that. So those are two miracles. <laughs> and so how can people find you like what's your website yes well okay so my website again that's where you can also get the book <laughs> I want to show that and uh, my web my website is www.fatimac.com fatimac.com and on there you will find an opportunity to purchase the book if you want to do that but you can also see other interviews that I've had and just a little bit of blogging as far as like commentary on how I felt in different settings and just my thoughts that surrounding those um, so hopefully there's some encouragement there but also so you'll be able to um, tap into um, the safe space that I've talked about with you, Corinne, today um, by going to appointments. And it's there for the taking. Pick some time and, and we can just have a conversation. Um, but also um, I'm on social media. So I'm on Facebook as Fatima Oliver um, on Instagram, Fatima C. Oliver 1975 and on LinkedIn as Fatima um, Oliver. I'm even on Reddit as Fatima Oliver. So you can definitely reach out to me if there's any questions that you have for me. Definitely reach out. We can IM. And really just um, like I say um, in my title, I'm an author and conversationalist. So clearly I love having conversations. So you can reach out to me and, and we can just talk a little bit. Well, thank you so much for this heart. <laughs>
talk. Thank um, you. I just loved it. I think your vulnerability and your story is so powerful and I love the work that you're doing and I am honored that you came on the show today. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome platform and I hope to come back soon. Yes. Sending you lots of love. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.